Here's Hertz. Standing strong in the pocket. Winds up down the field. Oh, he put the biscuit in the basket. Rambo on the move. Rambo down deep inside Texas Tech territory. So a 48-yard gain on their opening series. And now a 74-yard gain for Charleston Rambo. Hello and welcome back to the Schooner Pod. I'm your host, Bobby Howard. With me today, as usual, Ty Lee. How's it going, everyone? Welcome back. Yeah, so we're here to talk, uh, actually, a football game now. It, it feels like it's taken, I don't know, like th- this this little break, this little bye week we had, feels like it was like forever. It was a month. It, it's good yeah. to be back. It, a lot has happened in, in college football. A lot happened this week, especially, so we're excited to get into that. And most especially, OU's 55-16 to 16 win over Texas Tech in our first Big 12 game. That's yeah. an awesome start. Win number uh, 900 as well, so that's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah, win number 900. 901, if you count the 2006 Oregon game. Yes. Don't we, want to talk about it. We are, we are legally obliged to mention that. But we are also legally obliged to mention that we're not going to count it because we're not uh, Aggies. Yep. Notre Dame also got their, their 900th win, and I think there's only... Uh, six schools now, six or seven. So it is a uh, your typical blue blood suspects. Uh, Yale, who is FCS <laughs> now, um, and then I think it's Texas, Bama, Michigan, <laughs> oddly <laughs> enough, Ohio State, and Ohio State and Nebraska. Yeah, and now OU and Notre Dame. OU, that, that yeah, OU, to me. OU, Notre Dame, and Nebraska are all tied at nine hundred, which is. That is kind correct. of that's kind of wild. I don't know how that happens. Well, it's because Nebraska lost well. this week. Yeah, I know that. That makes yeah. sense. They, they... Um, and actually, I think I, I ran some short math on this. OU is at 125 seasons, so that's 900 wins, 7.2 wins per season. We can probably check that on my calculator right now. But Get some quick maths. OU, I believe, is the newest team on the 900 win mark, so I know that we're better. Let's see, 900. Divided by 125, 7.2. Yeah, so um, I think OU is averaging the most wins per season out of everyone in the plus 900 club, so that's exciting. Oh, yeah. No, it's cool because this OU, if you really look at the program, um, we're not, OU isn't one of those schools who won a lot of games, you know, like Michigan. They they just dominated out west because nobody was out there playing football. OU is a, it's a program that has won the most when it actually matters, and I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. And if you look at percentages, we're one of the best. Yeah, and, and we are the, the winningest team when you look at the, the modern era, so post-1945. Um, well, the, yeah, I believe it's the 1945 season and onward. Um, After World War II. That's yeah, so the modern part. era, the post-World War II era, OU is the winningest uh, team. I don't know if that means starting 1946 or if that means starting 1945 i know it's 45 is the the operative number there yeah yeah 45 is kind of like the first year after the winningest team in the modern era which a lot of people don't remember but you you have to remember that basically all of ou's success really has come since 1945 all of our national championships and everything else we're not like fellow 900 win club member yale (laughs) (laughs) Stopped winning around the stock market crash of 29. 
<laughs> shout out to Tyler. That's great. Yeah, shout out, to, shout out to Tyler and the and the, uh, Who, the bulldogs. Sh- again, also special shout out to Tyler. Just <laughs> some of you guys are gonna turn the podcast off after this. But Tyler's convinced that Clemson is less talented than OU, but a better team. Yeah, and it, that OU it, is significantly more talented than Clemson, but would also lose nine times out of ten that they've played. This is not hyperbole. Pro tip: Just don't listen to. I have a headache now. Don't to, don't listen to Northeasterners about college football. <laughs> That's. Anyways, let's let's talk a bit, a bit of Texas Tech. There's a lot to really kind of unwrap here. Mm-hmm. It was the Big Twelve opener. Uh, I think I think a lot of people overestimated Tech. I know I did. Yeah. I, I certainly did. Uh, I don't know if I said it on the podcast, but I said it in the blog, and then I even said it to Bobby during the game. But I fully expected Tech to put up thirty plus points against us. Uh, I did not expect our defense to actually survive Tech. Granted, Tech did the most ridiculous thing and put their third-string quarterback in to start the game. And when he went 1-6, they promptly pulled him and put in uh, Jet Duffy, who we were all expecting. Yeah, no, I, I mean, there's a reason why I ripped him, you know, it, it both in yeah. our, our Game Week article and... Yeah, we just didn't... It, Bobby and I were trying to figure out during the game why this guy was in there... It, I was theorizing maybe that they'd come up with some power run scheme that they thought was going to, you know, they were going to pull a triple option out and try to army us, or they were going to try to do like an Ellinger or a Hurt-style power run against us with this guy, but then they just had him in the pocket throwing just wild incompletions, and then... uh, Turns out he was just really padded. Turns out he was just terrible, and then Jet Duffy came out and performed about how we expected Jet Duffy to perform. So. Yeah, Duffy, it, was, it wasn't a bad performance from him, but yeah. you, you could tell, like, I feel like with quarterbacks, when you throw them in kind of mid-game, you know, don't give them a start, that's like the worst thing you can do. Yeah, I really don't know what, it, like, Tech clearly had a reason for putting this guy in who... I, we don't even know his name. They clearly had a reason for doing this, but it, it just never materialized yeah, um, it was. at all for him. So um, Alan Bowman being hurt really, really hurt them. I think that they probably would have put up double the points that they did. Uh, Jackson Tyner was their their quarterback. They Jackson Tyner. I think it's, J- it's Jay Tyner. Jackson is ringing a bell. So, so Yeah, that, that sounds about right. Yeah, it's... I We're a last-name podcast. So. We, we are a last-name podcast. It is Jackson Tyner. There we go. Yeah, there we go. He's 6'5", 230, so you see why we assume that they were doing something sneaky, but he's just garbage. He, he was absolute garbage. His, um, his QBR, he played for almost a whole quarter, and his QBR was 1.8, which... Let's compare that to... Ernst had a 99.1 QBR, and our lowest... Tanner Mordecai had a 34.6 QBR. And we had people in, like screaming in the stands all pissed off about Mordecai. which was Jet Duffy had a 12.3 QBR. Ugh. So. That's just. And see, that's the thing about this Texas Tech team that I kind of noted is under Matt Wells, it's different. It's not the same Tech team that we're used to seeing. Clearly the offense has taken back a couple steps. Yeah. Um, and that main wide receiver that we kind of thought, Vasher, who we thought would give us problems, only had, like, two receptions. He barely had any yard or barely had any yards, almost had that touchdown that got called back uh, that he, he dropped. He had one reception for two yards. That's, yeah. T.J. Vasher. Yeah, he was an absolute non-factor. Pretty and much I, everyone was, yeah. really, offensively for them, which is surprising because our, our secondary play um, was a little, it was a little sloppy. Um, 
pause for a second. Yeah, I... But the front seven really performed like we expected them to, but there were definitely some some issues within the secondary. Uh, <laughs> Trey John Bridges, uh, especially, granted, that's not his his wheelhouse at all, but... It's not even his position. It's not even his side of the yeah, ball. Yeah, so you really can't... Well, you kind of can fault him because he... He straight up injured someone by face masking them that somehow didn't get called, and then he just straight up eye gouged and then face masked someone again that did get called, and that was pretty much the only two times that he got the ball thrown his way. So actually, the first time the ball wasn't even thrown his way, he just <laughs> he just kind of grabbed went after a dude him. by the mask and pulled him down. <laughs> but it, but it's like every, every it was not intentional. It wasn't like a Vonchez perfect perfect sort of thing where he was hiding head hunting. He was just accidentally stumbling into it. Yeah, which just is bumbling ma- around, which makes there. it even funnier, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's actually like dive in a little bit more to the yeah. OU players because you know actually this, this is an OU podcast. We need to remind mm-hmm. ourselves that uh, from time to time, but. Um, Honestly, the biggest takeaway, I think, is that the defense, uh, well, it had flaws. It yeah. was, I mean, the improvement is there. The, yeah, the, the well, performance on third downs was remarkable. Not to be too goonery, though. This was Texas Tech without Alan Bowman with the game scheme that they came in with was blown up right away because their their game scheme clearly was through um the, the quarterback that came out Tyner. with. Yeah, so it, I don't want to jump on the confidence of the defense. They're they are definitely improved. Last year's defense definitely would have put up or allowed more points than this one did against this exact tech team, but I don't know if they're at the level that everyone thinks they're at. Um, obviously, Texas is going to be the big test of that because they're a real threat and a real you know, they can do both tricks. They can run and they can throw. So I was telling Bobby earlier, I'm very excited to see OU's defense in Bedlam. Granted, that's, at you know, the end of the season. We already know what the defense is going to be then. But I'm excited to see our front seven against Chuba Hubbard and, and see that matchup because that is right now the best rusher in college football with Oklahoma State's Chuba Hubbard and our new and improved defense against the run specifically. So that's that's going to be exciting to see. Yeah, and, and I think I think the biggest thing is to be nuanced about it because Tech isn't the offensive juggernaut we thought mm-hmm. they are, but also it, it's more about it's more about we've seen that we saw that defense last year struggling against like Kansas yeah. and like t- offenses that should yeah don't even just belong don't, in the same room. The defense is definitely improved. Don't get me wrong. I just don't buy into the amount of hype. I, When you look at their stats so far, extremely impressive. Yeah. Um, I think in in some stats, I forget what they are. I was reading ESPN today, but we're top two in the nation in a, a couple different specific defensive stats. I think one of them is, is third down defense, which we had on absolute lockdown in this tech game. I believe we're, we're some like top five uh, getting getting guys off on third down. I mean, yeah. we were, that sounded wrong. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we were, uh, tech, only, tech, tech only got one third down conversion the yep. entire game. Now they did get a couple fourth, but whatever. The, the biggest thing is they're getting off the field. Mm-hmm. And I mean, o- honestly, a thing people forget about from last year, we had a huge issue with, uh, with, with red zone conversions, 
it, it seemed yeah. like every time a team would get in the red if zone, if you got to the red zone, it was a touchdown. Yeah, it was a touchdown. Yeah, we've we've been we've been holding guys to a lot more field goals, um, and, and I think it's just the baby steps. I just mm-hmm. would urge people not to go full overcorrection and act like this is a you know the eighty-five we're not, bears. Yeah, we're not Wisconsin. We're not you know Mike Ditka's Bears. We're not. Yeah. You know, a couple years ago, Bama. We're not at that level yet, but we are. We're, I mean, we're defensively, we're top two in the Big 12. We're moving in the right direction. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I don't want to say we're the best in the Big 12 right now, but we are absolutely top two in the Big 12. I mean, I would gladly. Defensively, and that's not a numbers trick. That's not a a symptom of our relatively weak schedule so far. We are legitimately one of the best two defenses in the Big 12 this year. Yeah. I mean, if you if we could go back in time and show, uh, you know, Big 12 preview us as you know, footage of how this defense looks, I think we'd say, yeah, that's kind of what we thought would happen. You know, they'd look a lot better. Yeah. You know, this is our best case scenario. They're flying around. They have that different attitude. Mm-hmm. And I think that's I think that's encouraging, uh, yeah. especially after the Kennedy Brooks cheap shot hit. Um, that, uh, I mean, that whole possession was wild because... It was. I just remember thinking, it's fun watching this defense. And it, for the first time, it's mm-hmm. not, how are they going to embarrass themselves? This is going to be tough. Yeah. It's like, let's go... I get have we. You probably don't know off the top of your head, and I don't think there's a way to look it up. But off the top of my head, at least at home, every single first opposing drive has gone three and out. Yeah, you know. I don't think someone has gotten a first down on us on their opening drive this season. And I was telling you this at the start of the game. Uh, in previous years, I would be disappointed when OU elects to receive because I, you know, you want to see the big, exciting, one-trick pony, the offense out there, and watch them light it up with the, you know, a set play evolution that they've been scheming for a week. But now I'm really excited when we kick off and we get the defense out there, and it's just electric within the stadium because that's not something that we're used to. We're not. We're not yeah. used. We're used to no matter who we're playing. All right, the defense is going out there. They're going to hold them for like 10 minutes, but the other team's going to score. And then we're going to have like two minutes left in the quarter and put a score up, and then we'll kind of settle in. So, I mean, at one point you turned to, turn to ask me, like, why are we freaking out? It's just a random first down. Like, hmm. what what did I admit? After like, the Brooks. Yeah, yeah after yeah. the Brooks cheap shot. Yeah, and everyone was just getting super excited in the stadium. It's It's – the offense is still – this is a symptom of the teams that we're playing, but the offense is still super flashy. Uh, but that's because you get, like, a seven-yard slant to CeeDee Lamb, and the dude doesn't tackle him, <laughs> and then he just blows past everyone. <laughs> he just kind of so lunges that's not, him. yeah, the offense isn't being super flashy there. Like, that's just a seven-yard slant. We can't help that the teams that we've played so far are just trash. So the offense is still flashy where you get one-play drives, where Hertz just throws it to CD and CD just throws like a child off of him and runs into the end zone. Um, but people are really excited about the defense, and that is really, really awesome to see and experience as an OU fan because that's not something that we've had in a long time. Yeah, a very, very long time. Yeah. Like probably since like Venables. When early, yeah, early yeah. Venables before he got blown up by Baylor and stuff. <laughs> a lot of people forget that. A lot of people see Venable's success at Clemson and forget that when he left and we rehired Mike Stoops, there was actually an improvement 
in defensive performance. So yeah, I mean, you also have to uh, not not to dog on Venables. He is obviously a tremendous coach, but he's also at a place where they recruit to his benefit, and he's not having to face you know really solid teams. The ACC is not. ACC is not a juggernaut. Yeah, we no, we learned that. Yeah, it's like throwing Bama in the Pac-12 as a conference. <laughs> like, it, in it, spite of bad. Clemson's struggles to try to convince everyone that the ACC is good, that that conference is not good. It's 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 an absolute. So of course, disaster. they're going to put up. It, we'll, we'll we'll talk to yeah. talk a little bit yeah, about yeah. Clemson later, a little bit. Maybe I don't know. Uh, I don't think we actually have any ACC. On We're here. probably not going to talk. Probably about not going to talk about Clemson. But honestly, that ACC, like, if they lose one game, they should be out. Yeah, but that's, that's bad. Yeah. That's, but, I think too, if they lose a conference game, but um, let's let's yeah, give up game balls for big, uh, yeah, we'll jump into defense. game balls for Texas Tech. So just 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 because we're talking about defense, we should do okay. game balls for defense. We'll talk a little bit about offense in a bit. I mean, it's same old, same old, but still, it's yeah. worth talking about. Uh, okay, um, who's yeah, your right. game ball defensively? Yeah, I'll go, my turn. I'll go first. Okay. I, I really like uh, Delaren Turner a lot. The guy had uh, seven total tackles, five solo. Uh, was very good flying around out there. I I mean, I also think that uh, D-line, also fantastic. Again, um, great performances from Gallimore, Q Overton. Uh, Gallimore had that great like, come-from-behind strip. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's it, it's hard it's hard to pick one guy. Uh, Kenneth Murray, great as usual. Yeah. I mean, leading, it, it was, leading the team, yeah. Just as a unit, it's just such a it's such a good cohesive unit that just swarms to the football. I I love it. I love yeah. it. My my game ball defensively for this week, I'm gonna go predictable and I'm gonna go basic. I wanted, I really wanted to give it to Trayvon Bridges, <laughs> just <laughs> the absolutely just murking people out there on the field, just <laughs> being super confused and then just finding someone to injure and then getting pulled. And then they're like, all right, we're going to give him another chance. He just gets out there. He's super confused. Everyone else is yelling at him because he's on the complete opposites. I don't know if you noticed that. He he lined up just over no one, and the safeties were yelling at him that there was an open receiver <laughs> on the other side, so he ran over and, and then injured that guy. Um, that was the one that he got called for. But I wanted to give it to Bridges, but I got to go with uh, Kenneth Murray. His, his performance leading the team uh, started out on the first drive excessively celebrating an incompletion that he had nothing to do with, and there wasn't even a receiver nearby, uh, which was really <laughs> funny. But, yeah, he's he's leading the team, and he's stepped up. Like I said in the preseason, I wanted to see to make this defense really legit. So he's my game ball this week. We went predictable. Yeah, no, Trajan Bridges was less of an enforcer and more like that untitled goose that – has been making its way around the internet. It's out here causing mischief, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, yeah, so also it, shout out to Keys to Success Goose. Yeah, Keys to Success Goose, definitely, definitely. Hey everyone, before we get started, I just want to talk about our sponsor, Anchor. Anchor simply is the perfect place to go if you're trying to start a podcast. First off, free. That's great. But there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Super easy to use, super intuitive. Uh, And then once you have that edited, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many more places uh, where you listen to podcasts. And when they're distributed, you can start making money from your podcast right away, no minimum listenership. Start getting that Anchor money. 
It's everything you need to make a podcast in one spot. So what are you waiting for? Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm right now to get started. Now, the Schooner Pod. All right, let's move on and talk about the offense. Yeah. Seriously, that, that's the thing about OU football is everyone else talks about the offense. Yeah. But we, 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 we talk about anything but the OU offense, what everyone comes to see. It's kind it's of funny. It's just so predictable, and you know what we're going to say. Like, it was, I, I'm just going to go into a short monologue here. I, some of you guys were doubting. Some of you guys were doubting. I can tell. I know the Gooners were online. A lot of people were doubting. I think Ford was doubting at one point. <laughs> um, C.D. Lamb is WR1. He is the star wide receiver on this team, hands down. No, absolutely no disrespect to absolutely amazing my personal friend Charleston Rambo, who is tremendous and a real successor to Hollywood Brown and D.D. Westbrook even. Um, he's very similar performance and, and everything. But C.D. has shown that he is the main, he's the man on, yes. in the wide receiver core. And, and Bobby and I were looking at this during the game especially in the first quarter. We were putting Texas Tech's defense in this dilemma of we're going to throw C.D. Lamb all alone out on the left side. We're going to stack the right side with Calc, with Stogner, with Rambo, with, you know, generic all, all other our receivers guys, thrown yeah. in. Yeah, Brain we're going to throw Brooks or Sermon off to Hertz's right, running or left. It, it doesn't really matter if they're doing block, but you're going to have all these assets stacked to the right, not necessarily to the right, just stacked to the opposite of CeeDee Lamb. And what we saw was at the start of the game, in the first quarter especially, if you go back and look at the game tape, Tech was leaving their safety over CeeDee Lamb. And that's the intangible, that's something that you know the NFL scouts will notice and stuff, but the average fan is not noticing that you're just seeing, oh, CeeDee Lamb has, coming into this game, nine catches all year, but you're not seeing that he's over there all alone eating up two defenders which when you have an asset like Hertz there then you pretty much have to leave someone on Hertz as well on QB contain so you end up with just this tremendous mismatch and you can throw we have tremendous weapons you can throw anyone out to the opposite side because you have to keep two people on CD and you have to keep someone on Hertz and what we saw was a ton of success to the opposite side of CD, which when you look at the Tech game is the right side of the field uh, for the most part, uh, through the first quarter. And then you see Tech say, okay, this isn't working. We need to pull the safety and put him at least in the center of the field. And the second they do that, CD Lamb explodes on them. We, we are daring people. It worked with Tech. Granted, they're not that amazing, but it will work all season against anyone that we face, including in you know the playoffs potentially. Yeah. We dare anyone, defensively, we'll put you in this dilemma. We dare you to man to man, 1 1 1 cover CD Lamb. Yeah, 1v1 Lamb. He looks like an NFL receiver out there. He is, he's got the size, the talent, everything. Like he, it's just, we put teams in this dilemma, and it's, it's really beautiful to see because we have a Heisman level quarterback. We have, you know, world class runners, and we have, a whole nother receiver that's just as tremendous. Uh, he's just on the come up. So it's it's really beautiful to see offensively because he's stepped into this role. I've gone on for a really long dialogue. Oh, you know, it's okay. He's stepped into this role where we kind of saw it with Baker and no disrespect to Kyler and his offense, but 
Lamb wasn't at the level that he is this year, I don't think. I still think he was the best receiver on the team last year. Um, but Hollywood wasn't a constant, the entire game threat. He kind of wore out quickly, um, and he... Personally, I didn't think he was putting 100% effort in on all the plays. Um, and then he just wasn't that big. He can't downfield block people like CD. So he was the home he was the home run threat that makes you honest in the like yeah. go like spread him out deep. Yeah, but we and didn't, then CD you just kind of chop him up that in the ability, middle. Yeah, we didn't have that ability to put people in a dilemma like we do this year, especially with how Calc is matured. Um, I know he didn't get any catches this game. It was it was all Stogner, but offensively we look a lot less like we're riding one or two big stars and we never have been because we've had a tremendous line and we've had tremendous players you know tons and tons of first round draft picks like half the, the Ravens offense yeah is OU it, players from the past couple of years um especially in the receiving I mean it's been enough it, it's mm-hmm. it's different um I mean no no offense to the guys from you know previous years you know like um uh why am I blanking here? Uh, we we just Miles Tees or guys like uh, um, oh uh, Lee Morris like those yeah. are those are solid players, but these are legit like five star yeah, well, NFL caliber yeah, receivers. You're talking about guys that I mean that's who we're running last still, year. These you're talking about guys that would be stars at they would be the main star at any other school, maybe outside a handful of other schools. Yeah, um, I mean, but then you're talking about with. With C and, and with Rambo now that we're seeing, and with with Hollywood and with uh, D.D. Dee Dee Westbrook and even Sterling Shepard and, and back to Kenny Stills, like they're on teams with guys that their sophomore year of college could easily make any NFL roster, and are coming out easy first round draft picks. Well, I mean Hazelwood, who was one of the best recruits in the country. Is our third guy, and that that says something. Um, I think that's the biggest thing about this mm-hmm. receiving core is we have options all over the field, and like you were saying, this it's kind of we're running a bit of this like power spread when we go in mm-hmm. that thirteen man formation like we did in the red zone, um, because it's it, I mean it's incredible because it opens up the field not just for the receivers, but if you're you have to cover everyone, that leaves no one to spy hurts. And he can just do whatever yeah, he wants. No, and then, yeah. like that specific uh, formation that I'm describing, like you have CD out on one side. Yeah. You have the whole line stacked up. You have Hertz in the shotgun. Yeah. With a running back next to him mm-hmm. that's going to run an RPO, most likely. You have a tight end, and then you've got another receiver out on the side. Like. Yeah, you have to either double lamb. Tremendous assets across the field, and and it's like I was telling Bobby during the game. It looks like you could draw a line down the center of OU's offense. And to one side, there is what everyone thinks OU's offense is and what it kind of has been in big games, at least in the past couple years. It's just exclusively big, flashy plays. And then on the other side, it's a traditional, extremely effective, just grind it out, still big, flashy plays, still 10, 12 yards a play, whether it's a run or a pass. But we can either kill you with one cut or death by a thousand cuts on the other side, we're going to score either way, and it's a big dilemma that we put teams in, and it's really cool to see. Yeah, I mean, you either double CD, yeah, you either double CD Lamb, 
and get run yeah. over because you literally do not have enough guys to stop our you know three tight end, or three uh, tight ends out there and Jalen Hurts and our great running backs. Or you just hope that your uh, corner is good yeah, enough to and there's stop. Some, CD there's some other not. teams that you can rely a little bit more on one v one matchups. Texas is not going to have as big of an issue, obviously, but it's still a tremendous issue for anyone in the nation that we face. And that's the thing about. We'll get into it next week. Oh, we'll get into it next week. But oh, Texas has so many issues with injuries right now. Mainly, you know, Caleb Stearns being out for a significant amount of time, including Red River. Um, uh, Texas is going to have a really hard time stopping this OU offense. And I don't think people have really seen that yet. Uh, but that's that's for next week. I, as much as I'd love to just spend two weeks talking about Texas, Same. we can't. Um, but in general, yeah, I, I, think, I think the amount of weapons that OU has on offense uh, beyond just a quarterback, I feel like Baker and Kyler really would really kind of overcompensated for the fact that we had a big play wide receiver, a big tight end, and then really, it, it, it's not, the, the it's depth not like of this. the receiving core, I guess, is beginning to show. Because, yeah. you know, we had P. Ryan yeah. um, and mix him with Baker. So it's, and the, and the more I think about it, the less what I said makes sense. They weren't one dimensional offenses at all. No. But it's just the, the depth of the receiving core to have, we, had two stars last year. We really only had one star receiver, I think, uh, with Bake. But the depth of it is beginning to show because it's it's almost a you know, like an NBA super team receiving wise because we can take all of our first string, well, not first string really with receivers, but we can take all of our superstar receivers out and throw in these freshmen that are still outclassing the, the defenders easily. So It's a very similar strategy to what Alabama does with their wide receivers because obviously Jerry Judy is going to be the headline guy. Um, but also, I mean, it, it it really is a pick your poison because you also have guys, I mean, you also have guys like Henry Ruggs, Jalen mm-hmm. Waddell. I, I mean, it's like I, you, you can't not, I mean, you can't not one v, you know, one-on-one everyone because you can't double anyone because someone is going to burn you. That's what we got going at OU right now. It's something we really haven't had. Uh, let's talk. I don't know. So they, they, offensive don't really, game balls. Yeah, offensive game balls. From the hip, um, i got to go predictable again with with CD um, just for this week uh, just because his tremendous. He really exploded this game. Um, but big shout-out to... Our man, big man of the Schooner Pod, Schooner Pod, big Ramondre Stevenson Pod. He will get his garbage time touchdown. He is, he he, is the he garbage He will man. not stand in between Ramondre Stevenson and a garbage time touchdown. And if you try to, he'll just run you over and get his touchdown. And, and it's beautiful to see. Him running people over is so entertaining because it's not even like an aggressive like. He looks him like over. Portly when he's out there, too. He looks like a rhinoceros. <laughs> he looks like they just, they just bounce off him. He does, he's not even actively like running him over. He's, he's just very running. like... Marshawn Lynch, like Derrick Henry style running. He just he just goes. He's a bowling ball. It's awesome. Yeah. I, I I absolutely love Ramondre Stevenson. Um, but who is a who's your game ball? Um, I mean it's it's hard. That's tough because it, I think it is a very clear uh, Charleston Rambo. But I can't. I'm not. Or I mean not Charleston Rambo. C.D. Lamb. Uh, Rambo had some tremendous, almost 200 yards on two catches. 
and really unfortunately no touchdowns, but uh, I think his shortest catch was, what, 46? Yeah. Long was 74? Yeah, so, uh, he had he had that one with the great Gus Johnson call that you heard at the start of this, the uh, the biscuit in the basket, yeah. which is <laughs> fantastic. Um, so, yeah, I, I, you know, in the interest of not having the same guy, I'm going to go with uh, Charleston Rambo. I, I really, I really liked yeah. him. I thought, I thought he went off. Um, I don't know. I, I although also Jalen Hurts, pretty good. Did throw his first interception as a Sooner, mm. which was. Um, I mean, not a, his fault. It was a tip play. A lot it of just, people will try to make excuses. It really, it was thrown a little bit behind, but had the wide receiver caught it, which I think it was catchable, or had they just not tipped it up into the air. <laughs> It wouldn't have been intercepted. It was just a weird. It was a weird ball. Yeah. I, I would just call it a fluke and move on, honestly. But another great game from Hertz. Got a little more Rattler action. He was pretty good. Pretty all right. A um, couple drops there, so that weren't his fault. Yeah, yeah. Rattler. At least two of his incompletions were because of his uh, the playing with you know really low on yeah. the depth chart receivers. First game that Jalen Hurts did not lead the team in rushing. Uh, Trey Sermon led the team in rushing with 76. Which is good to see. That's what, we, good. That's that's what, what we, want. we want to see. We want that to be a tool that we have in our toolbox, but not the one that we're using all the time. Exactly. It, it needs to be, you know, exact. It doesn't need to be a first option at all. But No, it, not at the frequency that it's been. No, I agree But the that. fact that it can be is what makes it a threat. And, yeah. and we need to do it enough that teams have to have that QB contained guy on him because our line is good enough to prevent that guy from getting to him most of the time. Exactly, yeah. So that's just, I mean, it, 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 yeah. it is what makes the offense what it is. I think I think Hurts running is great, but just not. I like that we didn't run him as much as we did in the yeah, uh, Well, zone. and it goes back to kind of my first monologue about the offense is we're not the one, you really saw it against Tech. We're not the one-trick pony of everything is Jalen Hurts. So that's exactly. uh, that's really cool to see. All right. Well, uh, let's I think mo- that's about it for tech. That's uh, yeah. That's let's let's do uh, and closing the week. We do have our take a lap of, of the week that yes. I've been looking forward to. Oh yeah, we we've been we've been formulating the take a lap. So Ty, yeah. uh, I, I see you over there. You, I, you my, go for it. Go my for it. take a lap. I've been waiting for this one. <laughs> <laughs> Tech's first kick through the uprights. Goes over the net. You know how it goes at OU. We're going to throw it out the back. So it goes through, and it goes over into the crowd. And the second it goes over into the crowd, obviously the rest of the crowd starts chanting, throw it out, and pointing to throw it out, you know, just in case there's someone who's at their first OU game, they don't know to throw it out or whatever. So the ball begins. Its process usually takes about five or six throws to get it out. Um it begins its process being thrown up the stands to be thrown out. Um, but the second that the ball goes over the net, one of Texas Tech's ball boys, I guess maybe his first game at OU, he thought he was getting this ball. So he's standing down below the net, and he immediately hops the wall and begins running up the stairs, trying to cut through the fans and up the stairs of the stadium to get to the ball before it's thrown out. And he's racing up the stairs to get to the ball. And the ball's being thrown. And he almost catches up to it to tell the people to give him the ball. And the ball is thrown. And he almost catches up and the ball is thrown. And this one guy 
this this ball boy is sprinting up to him, and he's he's about three quarters of the way up the stadium, and one guy thinks he's gonna make it and throws it, and he's just short, and the ball lands three rows before the edge of the stadium, and somebody gets it, and somebody gets it, and they look down and they see the ball boy coming, and the ball boy is running up as fast as he can up the stairs. And everyone is screaming for him to throw it out, screaming for him to throw it out, and he's not. And all of a sudden, there's just this disappointment that falls over the stadium when we realize that this guy is not going to throw the ball out and that he's going to give it to the ball boy, who at the time we all thought was a security guard. Yes. Um, and everyone was like, don't give it to the security guard. <laughs> and everyone was so crushed because the ball boy makes it to the top of the stadium, stops, turns to the person with the ball, they make eye contact in front of the whole stadium, and this man looks the ball boy dead in the eyes and throws it out of the stadium, and the stadium goes wild. So my take lap for the week is Texas Tech's ball boy who hopped the fence or hopped the wall and ran all the way up the bleachers just to get looked in the eyes and have the ball thrown over. And his shame and disappointment as he walked down with... 85,000 people laughing at him. Oh, That's my. the take of the lap of the week for me. Or take take of the lap of the week. Uh, take of the lap. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, oh, uh, I, I don't think he needs to do any more running after that. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, take a lap, bud. That's that's pretty tough. Um, let's see. I need a good take of the lap, take the lap here. Um, this is tough. A&M, you narrowly dodged a- the take a lap. Oh, <laughs> no, A&M, still take that lap. Go ahead. You know, after everything you did, after everything uh, you've been talking about, I said we were going to give him a break. Did I? Did I? Did I have him take a lap last week? You could I feel bad uh, about I that. I did because I read the the monologue by that's true. Rendered that, fat on Texax. <laughs> rendered fat. Uh, shout out to Rendered Fat on Texax. Uh, here's what I'll do. Uh, here's a take a lap for us. Uh, I'm gonna have. I'm gonna make, give both of us a take a lap. We're, we're we us? both. We you and I, Bobby and Ty, are both taking laps for believing in the Kansas Jayhawks. Um, oh no no! Oh, we're about to get it. This is a good segue. Yeah, Kansas is exactly. going to beat OU. Spoiler alert. Well, oh, Kansas God. is going to beat OU by at least twenty-one points. Well, hands down. Let's just go right into that then. So <laughs> Kansas is not good. Um, the dream is dead. I think of the four wins for you. Uh, no, they, they went it's out. Not. It's they, not. They though. played an absolute egg against TCU, and I know. Look, I get the whole. Les Miles saying, and he has this weird aura. I, I've seen him do it against OU before, but it, it's not going to happen to Missouri. I'm, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, he Les Miles has it in him. Granted, the worst championship loss of all time was Les Miles uh, when he got shut out at LSU against Bama. But Les Miles has it in him to trip up someone, at least two someones in the Big Twelve. I'm calling it now. I'm I'm riding with my Jayhawks. To the end, They're, they have two wins currently. I thought they would have been there by now. They will get their four wins, as is foretold by me. Uh, I'll, I'll say this though: I, I feel like Kansas. Our big thing on them always was Puka Williams is going to do well, and he just hasn't looked good against good competition. Yeah. Um, I mean, guy only, had, <laughs> only looks good he, against him. <laughs> he had twelve yards against. He had twelve yards against TCU rushing, uh, thirty-three on like receiving. That's just not going to cut it. Um, it, for for Kansas, I think it comes down to is their quarterback going to perform? Because we've seen him play good against Boston College, but I mean he was an absolute disaster against TCU, as was everyone else. Only at eight point one QBR, 
Uh, I mean, that's yeah, that's that's disgusting. How? And here's the thing: somehow he had an 8.1 QBR with no interceptions, didn't throw a single pick. Here, that, that, is, takes, that takes talent. It's ridiculous. Because that takes talent. Here at OU, we're in the past four years now, we've been in a chase to get the all-time high QBR and the first ever QBR over 200 for a season. <laughs> and other teams are out here with single-digit QBRs. So it uh, it's kind of crazy. Going after double-digit like QBRs. Yeah, they're happy game. when they get a double-digit QBR. And we're trying to hit all-time records, okay, and we're I, disappointed when we're not. So it's it, it, it's totally different standards here. But um, I don't know. I don't. I don't think KU has it in them. It's an eleven o'clock game. It just mm-hmm. and not only that, but this team is so focused. Um, maybe if this was a different team, but I mean, I, I just don't see Jalen Hurts letting this team. No, I take I this think Hurts has truly brought everything good from Bama and combined it with everything good from us and I think that he's really well we know that he's really stepped up as a leader and I think that it is beginning to show yeah as a true obviously we'll see as as conference play continues but this might be I don't want to say this this might be the best OU team since 2008 yeah I mean honestly that's a it it feels like that type of team. It is more complete. As I, do I? Th- I still don't think I would take Hurts over Baker Mayfield. Um, but this this might be the best team that we've I, I had mean, in a decade. On the field, I wouldn't take Hurts over Mayfield at all. Trust me. I I think Baker's a way better quarterback. However, I don't think I'd see Hurts at Log- in Logies on a Thursday night before a game. Which I, I'm not trying to sound goonery and be like, the kids can't have no fun. But I, I think Hertz just is so focused to a degree that is un, inhuman that I don't think anyone. <laughs> what? No, no, no. No, continue. continue. I'm not laughing at you. Yeah. I'm laughing at. I saw. It's okay. okay. I mean, he's just. He, I, I'm just, just going to say he is so dedicated to this in a way that I don't think anyone should expect from a college athlete that I, I just. I don't see us losing. I don't see us losing probably a single game until the playoffs. I'm, I'm going to call it yeah. right here. I, I think we go oh, I don't see the potential for us yeah. to lose. Until it, it would the be a shock. It would, yeah. it would require some other situation yeah, to happen. I think this is a slightly... Because, again, the only worry is that Texas team. And yeah. I think that this is a Texas team that is slightly worse than they were last year, compound that with some injuries. Um, and this is an OU team that has maybe declined in some areas, but is significantly more complete yep. and significantly more legitimate looking. And I think that everyone in the nation is seeing that. And I think that had UCLA been ranked, I don't want to continue to, to dog on them, but had UCLA, because they've been terrible, had they been ranked, which they were fully capable of being and, and doing and winning until they saw OU, they were capable of this. Had they been ranked, OU would not be number six. OU no. would be in the top four. The only argument against OU is, hey, we haven't played anyone. It's but literally they ain't played the nobody. the same Paul. as Ohio State, who hasn't played anyone yet either. And I agree, OU hasn't played anyone. Or Alabama um, hasn't either. It, it, well, yes, but you you have to you do have to give Bama some credit with Nick Saban. Like yeah, he, yeah, he's no, at this point proven that yeah. he's going to be up there. But yeah, and I'm not saying like, Clemson. 
again, they've they've kind of proven their way, but Georgia, maybe not so much. And I know I'm high on Georgia, but it'd be Notre Auburn, Dame. Auburn, that's, a, that's a good win. Yeah, I'm not high on Notre Dame. I, I mean, Auburn, neither am I. Auburn, you got to give it to Auburn. They probably deserve to be in front of us like they are. They're the only ones with two uh, pretty key ranked wins, if you're going to acknowledge Tech. Um, and then Ohio State has looked pretty much the same as us. But we are a very legitimate, and I was actually, this is probably the first year, at least so far, that you can really make an argument for we need an expanded playoff. Because to date this year, there are six teams, seven or eight, if you want to loop in Wisconsin and Notre Dame, but there are easily six teams that look complete and legitimate. And they could potentially win the night. You could you could very easily make an argument for any of the top six to win the national championship. Well, that's the thing is I think if you can find a way to make it where if you win your conference you get in, it makes. It, it, I mean, then then it's like oh well we yeah it, it removes I, that question. I mean, it's I'm, like, I'm pretty pro. You give an automatic bid to Power Five conference champs, and then one sort of wild card or at large. Yeah. And then obviously those teams, this this is my theory, is 16 playoff, power five, one, you know, random one that potentially could go to a UCF or it could go to, let's say, you know, Bama and Georgia playing the SEC championship and LSU's and only loss is, is Bama, then hey, maybe this year LSU gets that nod. Yeah, but an at large or, or a wild card one. But this is, you could really make an argument for that this year. Obviously, again, yeah. with, a, with a 16 power five and at large, they would still be um, seated. And it wouldn't, you know, I, I would probably take playoff committee decides them and their seats, and it doesn't have to do with the polls and anything else. But the biggest problem is you can't compare these teams because they don't play the same schedules at all. Like Clemson is yeah. going through like these easy cakewalk games like Texas A and M, and well, yeah, when you look at <laughs> but when you look at the top four, not to to down on OU, but when you look at the top or, or the top six, to date Ohio State also hasn't played anyone, but they will be playing people down the road that we know are gonna OU pretty much just has Texas. Yeah. Now, granted, I think that Oklahoma State will be ranked significantly higher than they are now when we see them. Um, I think the, Baylor will be pretty good. Yeah, uh, I, I don't know. I, I I'm somewhere in the middle on them. The Big Twelve is gonna. The Big Twelve is obviously performed a lot better than we expected until now, but because everyone plays everyone, it's gonna cannibalize. We we need we need OSU to win out is what we need. We need, we need a, more teams. Well, yeah, <laughs> we need two more teams so we can have divisions and the Big Twelve doesn't cannibalize. Because if K State was in the Big Twelve North and not having to play Oklahoma State and OU then all of a sudden you have a team that maybe is kind of winning out and they're probably not that good, but on paper you can't really turn them down when they're, they have a really good win-loss and they're blowing people out like K-State was until they saw Oklahoma State. Yeah. So the Big 12 really needs more teams or OU needs to go to the SEC. But it, it, Yeah, it, it, it's either lead to call. It, 10 just doesn't work. And I, yeah. I, I get that. Oh, it's a tough league because everyone plays everyone. But you're never going to convince people that people will never be convinced. No, and, and that, we do. That's a better model. We play more people than Clemson does. Um, I'd but you say really so. can't make that argument for for anyone else. I, I don't want to buy the SEC hype, but Bama, Auburn, LSU all have to play each other, and then 
whoever comes out on top of that and out of the SEC West, which outside of those three is insignificant, has to play Georgia. So that's four of the top six teams right there. Or top seven. Yes. I mean, I... For Ohio State, OU, yeah. Yeah. I I think the SEC is definitely... Yeah. It's it's on another level, but it just... I don't know. I just wish OU... I think I wish people would understand that the Big 12 isn't as bad as it is, because it's... It's not, but it's... When you have... The Big 12 has decided that we need a conference championship game now, and when you have round robin and conference championship, then you start to screw people. As a, as a conference, you start to screw people. Like, I understand that the, the championship game is there for a reason, but the round robin was never going to look good enough to the playoff committee. We saw that, and yeah. that's why we made the championship game. But now that we have both, it's kind of like we have two, and they're so half-assed that they have the potential. They haven't, but when there starts to be some more parity and competition, it will start to bite us in the ass, and we're going to cannibalize because people don't respect the Big Twelve, and we're going to pack twelve ourselves. Well, I mean, look, look, well, I don't, I think because if Oklahoma State was the top ten team in putting up points, then you have to worry about th- a, a three-team top-heavy Big Twelve, where everyone plays everyone, and then a championship game. If OU has a loss there to a Texas team that then loses to Oklahoma State and then loses to OU in the Big 12 championship game is not going to get the respect that LSU losing to Bama or Auburn losing to Bama and then winning out but not going to the SEC championship game gets. Yes. Because you can make an argument this year, especially if, let's say, Clemson drops a game, Ohio State drops a game, and let's say LSU only loses to Bama and Georgia only loses to Bama in the Big Twelve or in the SEC championship game, and both of those losses are by like a field goal, you can make a pretty big argument for three SEC teams making it. And there's not a situation, not a conceivable situation where, at least that I see, that you can make an argument for a Big Twelve team making it in a similar situation. I, I wait in that a three way tie. Yeah, yeah. I why well, I. I it is significantly more plausible that you get two or three. Oh, yeah. I think it's more plausible that you get two or three SEC teams in the playoff than you do getting getting two into the Big Twelve. Two Big Twelve teams. Oh yeah, yeah. no, agreed. Because I mean, just look at it right now. Um, OSU and Texas already have a loss. If OU goes undefeated, assuming OU goes undefeated, if we go undefeated, wins the we're conference, pretty much going to nod. Yeah. Well, yeah, no, but what I'm saying is our second-best opponent will automatically have three losses. That automatically looks a lot worse than two, yeah. a lot worse than one. Yeah. That's kind of what I'm saying. Yeah, it, it just numerically we're unbalanced. It's not It's not good. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it, and you would have the same thing in the SEC if Georgia and Florida were also in the SEC West. Yeah, there. well, yeah, the, the SEC West is where all the power is. Instead, yeah. you know, they just, you know, beat up on, you know, Van, the Vanderbilts and Arkansas at the of the world, and I don't know. It, it just makes it tough. So yeah, yeah. Um, anyways, so that's that was, our Kansas preview. That's our Kansas <laughs> preview. Basically, nothing matters until Texas. <laughs> yeah. So this is this is the last time you'll have to hear us ramble about a, t- a game that doesn't matter. Um, 
Because after the, that, things start to matter. West Virginia, oh, there, we'll, we'll have the West Virginia game, but that'll at least be good content with Austin mm-hmm. Kendall and all that coming back. Um, but man, the content's about to get good. It's it's about yeah, to get it's good. Spicy. I know this. I know this sounds like that uh, South Park Game of Thrones episode where it's like the dragons are coming. You know, <laughs> oh, oh sound, they'll be we here. We sound like Texas A and M. Next year, next, <laughs> next podcast, year. it's gonna be good. Trust us. Well, you see, next year. Yeah, well, you see, next part. Yeah, no. But, um, <laughs> but anyways, thank you so much for listening to our Kansas preview. Um, we have a lot of content coming up for OU Texas. It's gonna be real good. So more memes. Yeah, please check that out whenever that comes. Lots of memes. Lots we're gonna of, get spicier with the memes until we start getting more likes. Yeah, lots of memes. Lot, we're doing a fair pre, or you know, our, our usual state fair preview. Uh, actually bringing on a buddy of mine, uh, a UT insider, to join the fray, which will be good to kind of make, I don't know, that that's going to be an interesting conversation. So I'm excited about that yep. one. Um, I, yeah, yeah we've we're, we got some good content. And Ty doesn't know him, so he can just, so you can just go full, full bore into it, you know, just be like. Yep. Bobby doesn't know, but we're also doing a special preview on uh, a, a lesser known uh, Red River tradition, and that's the running of the game ball uh, down to Dallas by OU, and then also the running up of the Texas game ball by Texas. So, awesome. Talk to my brother, and we're going to do a, a short preview, and I'll go. They have a little ceremony where Lincoln gives them the ball early in the morning one day, and I'll, I'll be going to that as well. So, that's awesome. Yeah, I like that. exciting content there. Yeah, so I guess we this was. Uh Let's reveal really cool plans. Our lots um, of exciting stuff for Red. Yeah, River. no, I'm all, I'm all about that. Yeah, so it's it's going to be a really good weekend, that or really good week that's going to kick off a lot of exciting content for the season. But um, anyway, so yeah, if you want to see that content, got to got to follow us on Twitter, Insta, Instagram at Insta Schooner. Uh, got to see Ty's hot memes; they're very good. Some some are calling them the best. So some are calling them the best. There was some spelling issues in one. That's okay. Don't worry about that. That's we're okay. Just, we're going to start using the F word in them. Yeah. Uh, they're just going to get edgier and edgier until we get kicked off Instagram where we get more likes. So. Yeah. We're, we're going to start after after our little uh, tirade uh, last week on the pick spot. We're, 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 we're about to start being the bad boys of this. <laughs> bad boys of this OU podcasting game. So, anyways, for me and Ty, this has been the Schooner Pod. Thank you so much for listening. Five stars, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, we will see you next week. Actually, no. We'll see you Thursday. We'll see you Thursday. With the Picks Pod. Then we'll picks. be totally not taken down by the DEA this time. That's true. Exactly. So, uh, for me and Ty, thank you for listening. This has been the Schooner Pod. Boomer Sooner. Boomer Sooner. <laughs>